The American economy is booming. Inflation is down, jobs are up, and the S&P 500 is continuing its joyride. And that must mean that voters are feeling pretty good about President Joe Biden, right? Right? This is Swamp Notes, the weekly U.S. politics podcast from the FT News Briefing, where we talk about all of the things happening in the 2024 U.S. presidential election. I'm Mark Filipino, and this week we're talking about the issues that will define the election and whether the U.S. economy is one of them. Here with me today is James Politi. He's our Washington bureau chief. Hi, James. Nice to be here. Hi, Mark. And I'm also joined by Rana Faruhar. She's our global business columnist, and she writes our Swamp Notes newsletter with Ed Luce. Hi, Rana. Hey, Mark. Nice to be here. So, Rana, why don't you kick us off? For people who might have missed it, how well is the U.S. economy doing right now? Well, you know, the words that uh, economists and analysts were using after the last jobs report were stunning. I'm speechless. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a red hot economy. We just had um, jobs numbers come in at double what folks thought they were going to be. There are now 1.4 million jobs open for for every American who wants one. Inflation is under control relative to what it has been. Incomes are growing and the markets are pretty much at record highs. So hard to find something not to like right now. And a much different economy than the one that Biden inherited when he took office in 2021. James, my question for you is, is he getting credit for this transformation? Well, the answer is no, he is not. Um, uh, even even though um, the economy has reached this kind of holy grail of a soft landing, which is inflation's coming down, but there's no recession, no big rise in unemployment. Consumer sentiment indicators have been going up. And yet polls on Biden's handling of the economy still show him with a very, very big deficit. Um, Americans have not rewarded Biden for this uh, rip-roaring economy. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I uh, although I completely agree with James, you are starting to see glimmerings. Some of the University of Michigan data on consumer confidence has been up for the last few months. And I'm hopeful that that's going to start trickling into voting, voting public. Um, I think you're seeing glimmers of it, but we're not there yet. And if it does trickle through, Rana, you make this case in one of your more recent Swamp Notes newsletters that the economy won't be the defining issue of the 2024 election. Yeah. And that would be strange, right? I mean, the conventional wisdom for for decades really has been, it's the economy stupid. And I'm arguing, what if it's not the economy stupid? And what if it's, say, migration or the border or abortion, you know, these social and cultural issues that we know are huge, but have been overshadowed certainly in the last few years with the, the pandemic, war in Ukraine, the economy tanking and then recovering so spectacularly. Um, they, they've been not so much the focus of uh, what people were thinking about in terms of um, polling and voting, but they could be right at the center of the election. James, I'm wondering how you feel about what Rana just said. Trump is the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. What do you think the issues are that he and Biden will be compared on? Well, I mean, I do think that other issues are going to be front and center in this election. I think uh, Trump's character, the future of American democracy, abortion, and, and the issue of personal individual rights. But I also think that the economy is an important factor. It always is. And if Biden can improve his numbers on the economy in the next few months, then that will give him a lot of protection heading into the uh, November race. And I think that it's really important for the Biden team to get those numbers up. And they're trying, but so far they've seen 
they seem to be inelastic. Voters do not seem to be responding to the economic improvement. And they've only got a few months left to correct that. You know, one one of the things I think, just to add on to what James is saying that is happening is there are so many vectors in play, right? I mean, so it usually takes a year after bad news for confidence to rebound. But we've had not just bad news, but three years of just the pandemic, two hot wars, the decoupling, deglobalization, an AI revolution, some major demographic shifts that are not playing out the way we thought they would. I mean, there, I've been doing this job for 33 years for my sins. I have never seen this much potential movement in the economy up and down quickly. That said, I think if we see another couple of quarters of what we've seen, no geopolitical shocks, strong market, strong labor numbers, I, I, I agree that Biden will be in a good place in November. But why? I mean, how much credit should we actually be giving presidents for a strong economy? That's actually an awesome point. I'm glad you brought it up. And the answer is we give them too much credit and too much blame. You know, I mean, we might be talking about the Fed right now. We could easily have a whole other podcast about monetary policy. And- oh, we will. Don't worry, Ronald. We will. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to wait with bated breath for that. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, Bidenomics is a big deal. It is a BFD, if you will, because it's generational. It's, it's a 40, 50, 60 year shift, we really have not seen this kind of an infrastructure program since the Eisenhower administration. You know, the the amount of fiscal spending and and the shift in income led growth versus just trying to like buoy the markets and have this sort of saccharine high, that's really, really different. But it's it's tough to message. And also people are seeing things increasingly um, just raw data through a partisan lens. Okay. So I'm curious if it's not the economy and it could be any of these other issues or all of these other issues like abortion, like immigration, how is Biden's track record there? I mean, I the way I see this election at the moment, Democrats are behind on the economy. They're behind on immigration. They're behind on crime. They are increasingly behind on foreign policy, but they're ahead on abortion. They're, they're ahead on personal freedoms and they're ahead on the issue of Trump and American democracy which might be the most powerful force in American politics at the moment. So that could tip them over the edge. You bring up a great point, James, that American democracy, that really feeds into voter emotion, uh, right? Which which is such a strong element of how elections are won or lost. You know, Mark, I want to jump in on that because I had the most fascinating experience recently. I was driving up to give a talk at Colgate University, which is about five hours north of New York. And, you know, it's very much tale of two states. You know, New York and the surrounding areas is one economy. Upstate New York is is another one. It's very impoverished in certain areas. And my taxi driver was a retired engineer. And I asked him, I said, what do you think of all this Biden administration investment going into the chips industry in upstate New York? And I thought he'd be delighted. And in fact, he said, well, you know, we don't like where they want to put the factories. They're going to take too much water. And, you know, I could sense he was a conservative. I saw Trump signs around as we were driving. And I said, well, what do you think Trump is going to do for the economy up here? And he said, well, we just don't like people lying to us. The Democrats are lying to us. And I thought, wow, we're not having a policy conversation. We're having a psychological one. And I think the most frustrating thing for the Democrats is that they have sort of perfectly executed Bidenomics. They've gotten back to full employment within a year as they wanted. They've successfully enacted all this legislation to promote domestic manufacturing. This is supposed to help working class people over the long term re-engineer the economy in a more kind of equitable, sustainable way. 
And yet we're in a situation where the right policy isn't leading to political benefits. And they really wanted to get that political credit because they knew that Trump and Trumpism was lurking in 2024. And so to find themselves in this spot, um, I think is, is quite dispiriting and they don't have much time to to change things. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do exit poll. I'm Ethan Wu, host of Unhedged, the markets podcast from the Financial Times. On the show, we answer questions like, are we going to see another financial crisis? So I, I guess where we land at the end of the day is there is a lot of scope for things to go bad here, but maybe not quite 2008. Ugly, but smaller. Ugly. <laughs> It's the worst. It's the worst way to describe your second child. <laughs> At least he doesn't eat much. <laughs> Listen to Unhedged wherever. Welcome back to Swamp Notes. This segment is called Exit Poll, where we take something from the news and we get our guests' take on it. Um, guys, I don't know if you heard, but this week is a little game that we like to call the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Chili and cornbread. That's right. My that's exactly. That's exactly what I'm cooking. Chili and cornbread. That's right. <laughs> Not as good as mine. <laughs> so I guess the, the big question is, you know, we've got the San Francisco 49ers facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I guess, you know, which one do you guys want to win and, and which one is better for Biden? I, I think Kansas City is going to win. I also think it's better for Biden. But what I'm watching is sports betting because 68 million Americans are going to bet on Sunday's game. And one of them is my 17 year old who's gotten dangerously into sports betting apps like all his friends. I mean, how, how could you not? I mean, the, the advertisements for them are everywhere. James, who are you rooting for? Well, I have, this, I have a Swifty in the house in the form of my, my <laughs> 10-year-old daughter. There is only one answer to that question, Kansas City. But I also think probably San Francisco needs a boost um, after some of the bad press that it's gotten in the last few years. Um, and I'd like to point out that Biden, he was offered an interview on CBS, a pre-Super Bowl interview, and he declined it. And I think he could have uh, used that time to talk to the American people, but decided not to. I think that's a that's a miss for him. I guess you could say he, he punted on the opportunity. <laughs> womp womp. womp. <laughs> All right. That was Swamp Notes. I want to thank our guest, James Politi, uh, the FT's Washington Bureau Chief. Thanks, James. Thanks, Mark. And Rana Faruhar, she's our global business columnist, and she writes our Swamp Notes newsletter. Thanks, Rana. Thanks. Fun to be with you. This was Swamp Notes, the U.S. politics show from the FT News Briefing. It's produced by Lauren Fedor, Sonia Hudson, Ethan Plotkin, and Jake Harper. Special thanks to Pierre Nicholson. I'm your host, Mark Filipino. Our executive producers, Topher Forges and Cheryl Brumley, is the FT's global head of audio. Check back next week for more U.S. political analysis from the Financial Times. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources. 
uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.